Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Andrew Work, and your guest presenter today is Car Ha. Good morning, Car. Good morning, Andrew. Hey, great to have you back on the show, doing the job. Um, <laughs> on today's Back Chat, we're talking about Hong Kong's business outlook in 2024. A new survey by the Hong Kong General Chamber of Commerce found that the local businesses are cautious about their prospects next year. Of 200 firms polled, 37% expect business turnover to rise in this year ahead. 43 think it will stay roughly the same, while a fifth expect turnover to decline. The chamber says most businesses are worried that they will be affected by external factors such as the global economic slowdown and concerns about the geopolitical tensions. Larger firms are worried about a talent shortage, while smaller businesses are keeping a wary eye on inflation. After 9.45, we get a lawyer's take on the judicial Judiciary plan to broadcast some court cases start, starting from next year. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message here on our Facebook page, email us at backchat at rthk.hk, or call us. We'll take those calls at 233 uh, Joining us today on the line, we have Ho Lok Sung, who's the director at the Pan Sutong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute. Good morning, Ho Lok Sang. Uh, good morning. Good to have you back on the show. And we also welcome uh, Stuart Bailey, who is the chairman of the Hong Kong Exhibition and Convention Industry Association. Good morning, Stuart Bailey. Morning, Andrew. Morning, Kaha. And Stuart, I have a, a, a disclosure, an admission to make before we start. Uh, roughly around 1999, I would have sat in your meetings as a representative of the exhibition industry because I was, I was in the biz with a uh, now much reduced company uh, called Penton Media that bet heavily on internet and then went bust and the internet bust. But, oh, perfect, uh, we, yeah. yeah. I remember them. They, they had the really? Natural and Organic Product Show here, which uh, they left and, and I moved into the slot they left behind. So thank Fem you for that. I started that show. <laughs> I started with the Natural Product Show. Fantastic. So we have connections all over the place. But today we're talking about the outlook for Hong Kong business on the back of this Hong Kong General Chamber of Commerce report. Um, Stuart, I'll give you uh, first digs because you probably have some forward views about uh, how businesses are choosing to spend their marketing money in exhibitions, which is, you know, frankly, a pretty good barometer for the, their overall uh, expectations about the year ahead. How is it looking? Yeah, look, you're absolutely right. I mean, exhibitions, uh, particularly big trade shows, uh, are, are quite a good indicator of sentiment um, for, for the communities that they serve. Uh, a lot of exhibitions will book up months and months in advance. It's not uncommon to have an exhibition which is 90% full, with six months before it actually goes ahead. So what we're looking at really is how do people think about what's going to be happening in six months to a year's time? Um, and I have to say that, um, you know, despite the kind of the, some of the, the, the cautious words that you began with um, from the Chamber of Commerce, uh, business seems to be fairly positive about things. Uh, we had a really uh, good autumn season uh, for the big trade shows. Uh, they were, you know, larger than, than they'd been um, right up back up to pre-pandemic levels in terms of the number of exhibition booths, etc. Uh, and we're seeing the buyers coming back as well. Um, in terms of the mice arrivals in the first three quarters of this year, we're back up to 84% of the pre-pandemic levels, which in contrast to tourism arrivals is, is pretty strong. Um, and we're starting to see that, you know, that more people are coming in from the Greater Bay Area uh, and we have more people coming in from China. So I think that the, whilst the Europeans and the US are still not coming in the numbers that we would like, I noticed that the airport authority 
uh, doubled down on their claim that they're going to be 80%, back up to 80% capacity by Christmas. Um, so so that, that helps. That should reduce the price of the air tickets, which is a, a kind of a, a big blocker for people coming in. Um, so, so, look, on the whole, I think um, sentiment is, is reasonably positive looking forward. But, of course, you know, there are challenges. There are things that, that, that we're still dealing with. Um, obviously, the headwinds um, that, that, that the global economy is facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a number of, uh, of geopolitical risks out there which are outside of our control. But I know that people are worried about what, what might happen um, sort of in the future. Uh, True. I, I, True. I was at a, a conference recently uh, and somebody was talking about the, uh, the statistical chances of another COVID-19 type epidemic hitting us within the next 10 years. Staggering 27.5%, which Ooh. is pretty frightening, really. Uh, yeah. Let's hope the authorities deal with it in a different way, but it's, uh, it's still something to be aware of. It is, it is. So, Holog Song, that's a pretty, uh, I would say, a fairly uh, optimistic outlook we're getting from uh, Stuart Bailey. What, what's your take on it? What are you hearing? Well, I am very much with him, too. Um, I think that externally, uh, things are getting uh, somewhat better. Uh, and... Holok Sung, you're still there. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, your 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 connection's a little spotty. Hopefully, you're uh, you're in a good spot to get us. Uh, yeah, carry carry uh, yeah. on, carry yeah, on, and let's see how it goes. Because this is uh, uh, I, I had hoped that you, you you called me on the landline. Yeah, but in any case, uh, what I I'm trying to say that uh, uh, the domestic economy is not doing well, and uh, most of the. Uh, Small and medium enterprises, you know, a lot of them, you know, like uh, 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 shops that are not well. And uh, uh, the General Chamber of Commerce report also indicates that the bigger firms tend to be domestic. And there's more of the. And I think that uh, our trade performance won't. Be so bad. Uh, it's uh, it's going to recover, mm. and I also expect that the Chinese economy is uh, uh, will will get five uh, percent uh, growth uh, next year. So um, I think um, with the Chinese economy uh, recovering, uh, um, I, I think normalizing. I think uh, we would expect uh, a. Um, a strong um, uh, tourist uh, uh, tourist uh, inflow from from the mainland, and uh, I understand that uh, the ocean park is now making profit. You, you see, so so I think Profit's this good. is an indication that things are, are, are looking at uh, you know from the external side, but from the internal side because of weak uh, asset prices. Uh, that uh, it's not so likely for the domestic. Uh, uh, economy to do that well. Yeah, I have to admit, I've got friends in the restaurant business. They say it's like the worst they've ever seen it. I'm going to play devil's advocate yeah, to you guys. Yeah, I mean, they're telling me it's correct. the apocalypse out there, like like worse than COVID even. And I'm like, how can that be? Um, Stuart, is there a qualitative difference between the people that are coming to Hong Kong for exhibitions and conventions now than there were pre-COVID? I mean, you said the the Americans, the Europeans aren't coming back. Um, are they the big spenders? Is it is it you know restaurants are not getting that 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 upswing from the mice business? 
because the people that are coming are, you know, kind of the cream of the crop in terms of spending? Well, actually, I mean, I put it down to something else. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I, I'm agreeing um, um, with, uh, with Holok Sang with regard to sentiment. Um, I always come in here and talk about, you know, what's the Hang Sang at? And it, it's, what is it, 16,500 at not the moment? Great. You know, it, yeah. it, it's, it's not in a good space. And I think that affects people's feelings about things. Um, and, and despite all that the government's done in terms of night vibes and all, the, all these other things, I think people are still quite cautious about it. Now, the other thing I'm really struck by is the amount of people, the amount of Hong Kongers who are travelling to Shenzhen mm. to spend their money, uh, whether it's grocery shopping, whether they're eating and drinking, whether they're hairdressers, massages, all the rest of it. It seems like there's a huge flow of, of, of capital which is kind of going one way. Now, look, but it's not coming back the other way. Um, and I was struck by this. I had a conversation with somebody this week. Um, we're, we're at uh, the exhibition centre in Wan Chai running the Learning and Teaching Expo, um, which is for teachers and schools and things. Mm. Uh, and there's a big push for a greater Bay Area. There's a lot of collaboration and sister schools projects, etc., going on. We want more people coming from the GBA. Uh, and we had a delegation coming over from Shenzhen schools, and they had a great time on Wednesday. And they were all telling me, oh, this is brilliant, you know, this is great. We'd love to come back to the show on, uh, on Thursday, but we're not able to. Why now, not? Well, if you think back, if you remember in April 2015, at the height of the whole milk powder parallel trading oh, scandal, yeah. C.Y. Leung went and had a chat with the authorities over the border, and there was a scheme put in whereby Shenzhen residents are only allowed to visit Hong Kong once a month. Okay. Um, now, back at the time, that oh. kind of seemed like, OK, this is a reasonable suggestion, but that legislation has never been removed. And residents in Shenzhen are not able to come to Hong Kong more than once a month, which obviously kind of puts them off. Um, so we're not getting, you know, it's not reciprocal. If, if the whole idea of the Greater Bay Area really is that, you know, you can free movement of people, capital and goods, well, it doesn't really make sense if we've still got some of those restrictions in place. Huh, I had no idea. That seems like a no-brainer. I mean, but so, so are people lobbied to get that? legislation passed in China, and now we have to lobby to go back and get it reversed? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. I think that's, yeah, yeah, I think that's what really. we've got to do, because it was, you know, it was the chief executive of the time who, who was kind of behind it and pushing it, um, but nobody seems, to, everybody seems to have quite forgotten about the fact that it's still in place. Huh. So I would, I would certainly urge the authorities to go and do something about it. Yeah, Holak Sang? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, actually, uh, you know, not all the cities in China or, or on the mainland um, 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 have uh, that uh, uh, permission to allow individualized that travel to Hong Kong, and I think more cities uh, should be included in that scheme. And um, I think we have to rely on external. You see, because uh, uh, it's not just sentiments. It's not just that uh, uh, the stock market prices are affecting people's sentiments. People actually feel that they are a lot poorer. You know the. And they they go to Shenzhen to spend because uh, they they have to save money, you know. Be, because if you if you uh, own a home, and you find yourself uh, um, uh, in a negative equity or close to negative equity, uh, uh, which means that you have actually lost uh, uh, years of income, you see. And uh, for them, it's necessary you know, to to uh, tighten up the purse and. Uh, uh, try to save as much as possible, you know, because uh, Hong Kong's uh, 
uh, retirement protection is not that good, and mm. then they have to look after the the retirement days. So sure. so they are really tightening up uh, the the purse and uh, trying to save as much money as possible. Of course, they're not spending. You see, that's the problem. That's the problem. Don't don't underestimate. Don't underestimate the. The wealth effect. It's the wealth effect. It's not just sentiments. It's not just uh, like I have money, but I'm not spending it. You know, p- people actually have become much poorer. Well, if their mortgage rates have gone up uh, with the higher interest rates, I imagine they're you know spending more on mortgages. That's going to mean less, so they're they're putting into the rest of yeah. the economy. Um, so I mean, okay, so we we've identified one thing the government could be doing, which is lobbying uh, Shenzhen to reverse something we asked for whoops <laughs> yeah also, get, get more cities you know to to allow individualized travel to hong kong yeah yeah, yeah and also uh, i want to yeah. go back to the scheme which is held in hong kong already the night five hong kong i would like to like ask Stuart about that because i, I think that the night five hong kong is mainly attracting the local people so if you mentioned about the um, european is not coming that much in Hong Kong right now. So what do you think the government can do to attract more of them coming again, like the flight ticket, the discount or something? Yeah, look, I, it's difficult. I mean, not, not all of this we, we, we should put at the floor of the government because, you know, some, some of this is, is, you know, just we've got to get more people coming back. Mm. Now, look, we're, we're seeing people love coming to Hong Kong. It's their absolute, it's one of the favourite places that, that they're going. So, so the, the Learning and Teaching Expo, which is still on today, if anyone wants to come till five o'clock, mm. um, we're, we're, we're getting loads of teachers coming in, international teachers coming in from around the region, and they're going out and they're having a great time. Now, they're not necessarily going to the night vibes areas or the street markets and various places, but they're going out to the restaurants, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're going out to the bars, um, they, they, they kind of feel like they wish they were a bit busier. There's, there's, there's still a bit of a lull. Uh, you know, if, if you go to the sort of the main sort of eating and drinking districts, they're, they're not as busy and buzzy as they were yes. certainly, you know, sort of five or six years ago. So I, th- I think that's got to come back. But look, we're, we're buoyed by the fact that we've got some big exhibitions returning, which mm. are going to make a difference. Uh, the Asia Pacific Leather Fair, which has been held in Dubai for the last three years, that's going to be back next year in March. Uh, one of my favourites, Vin Expo, uh, I don't mind a drop of the Drake grape juice every now and again, mm-hmm. uh, is coming back. They moved to Singapore. Um, we told them, you know, Hong Kong is the place we've got, you know, we are the wine hub of Asia. We have no duty, you know, it's the only logical place for it to be. So we're delighted that, that Vin Expo is coming back. That's in May. Uh, and then we've got some launches as well. We've got the Super Terminal Expo. Uh, that's coming in uh, in November, uh, and uh, BioChina, uh, IBTM, APAC. So we've got some big shows that are going to bring in a whole load of international people who are hopefully going to spend a lot of money in our economy. I mean, look, we, we know the, the economic impact of, of, of exhibitions is 58.4 billion Hong Kong dollars a year pre-pandemic. Uh, and, you know, look, we, we think we can get back up to those levels. The, the, the issue, again, that we're going to end up getting to, um, and we're getting there fairly soon, is the lack of space at the convention centre. Uh, um, which is already becoming a problem. Hmm. We're going to come back to that, but Holok yeah. Sung, I know you've got to go, uh, but are, are, we, are we depending too much on external factors like tourism uh, in terms of getting the economy back on track, or yeah, are, there, uh, are there more other, think, other measures? We yeah, I... I think uh, uh, that's uh, uh, what we can count on. Uh, another thing that we can do, which I have urged uh, you know the government to do uh, all along, is to just scrap the 
the SSD, you know, special uh, stamp duty. You know, the, uh, the special stamp duty is really hurting Hong Kong's economy, you know, because it's uh, affecting turnover. And when turnover in the housing market is reduced, a, a train of different uh, trades and industries are going to be affected. That's the least that, that the government can do, and it doesn't cost money. Uh, the SSD is not bringing in that much revenue, mm. and the, the in- intention is to, to, to curb speculation, but it's not a problem now. You know, we, we like uh, to, to, to have the housing market uh, revive its, uh, its uh, vibrancy, and, and it's like uh, uh, dead water right now. Sounds good. Well, Holak Sung, uh, thank you for joining us today. I know you've got thank a you. I know you've got a dash. Holak Sung is the director of the Pan Sutong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute. Continuing with us on Back Chat today, Stuart Bailey, chairman of the Hong Kong and Exhibition Convention and Industry Association. Um, Stuart, you, you make a good point. We've got a constraint in terms of real estate uh, with the with the convention center, um, Asia World Expo, eh, still underutilized. Well, look, not to the extent that it has been previously. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, look, you, you've seen what's happening at Sky City and the the K11, Sky's 11 mall that's, that's about to open next year. Um, that's going to really revitalise that place. Did you say next year? Do you mean like January or like December? No, like December, I think, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Towards the, towards the end of next year. But okay. look, if you've been to the airport anytime soon, you've seen this huge, round, purple building, um, which, which is going to be one of the largest shopping malls in Hong Kong. Oh. Um, I mean, I have to admit, I like I, I've been in the airport a lot, but frankly, I'm probably looking at my phone when I'm on the train most of the time, so I might have missed it. Uh, okay. as, as you come in and out, it's, it's, you, I, I'm, I'm surprised how you can miss. I mean, it, it's enormous, uh, and it will be directly linked uh, with Asia World Expo. Um, we've got Phase Two, which uh, should be being built as soon as the government gives the land back, um, because it's mm-hmm. still it's still got a quarantine centre sitting on it, which I'm not entirely sure we still need. Um, but once we get that land back, we can uh, we can build phase two of Asia World Expo, and that's that. You know that, that that's getting really really busy. I was speaking with uh, the uh, the management company of of the convention centre. They are already back up to the bookings for next year will surpass the pre pandemic levels. Um, so so you know the government has helped out uh, with a scheme to to encourage more events to move to Hong Kong. Uh, the Hong Kong Tourism Board is, is, is doing a great job uh, in, in getting um, more promotion um, for MICE travellers to come to Hong Kong as well. So I think the government is doing quite a lot of stuff right. Um, but, yeah, we, we're going to end up in the same position that we were pre-pandemic, which is that we need more exhibition space. Hmm. Seems like quite – I mean, I don't, think, I don't think people are really thinking in that way – now, aside from yourself, I mean, a little bit more forward thinking than, than most people. What what other constraints uh, are we going to have? How about labor? I mean, I remember, was it six, six to eight months ago, talking to Monica Lee Mueller over at the convention center, and she was like, I need staff. I was like, yeah, but you want to hire my daughter? She's like, yes, please send her over now. She's 17. I don't care. We'll hire her. I mean, are, is, is staff still a constraint for the industry? Absolutely, yeah. It's, it, it is one of our biggest issues. Uh, manpower is is very, very tight. Um, I, I think what the government did uh, inviting people in to work in those four main industries, uh, construction, aviation, uh, transportation and logistics yes. uh, was, a, was a sensible move um, because it meant that some of the people that we'd lost could then come back 
uh, and work in, in, in some of the industries that we have, such as building exhibitions, etc. as well. Um, but, but yeah, look, manpower's an issue. One of the, one of the things that we've, we're lobbying for, and I think it's, it's very sensible, uh, is to allow uh, contractors from China, from over the border, to come in and support the building of exhibitions. Uh, exhibitions need to be built very quickly. Some of them are quite large-scale, and therefore we do need an awful lot of people to do it. And we don't have enough people in Hong Kong in order to do it. So at the moment, what's happening is you've got big uh, exhibition contractor companies who've also got warehouses and, and staff in over the border in Shenzhen um, who aren't legally allowed to bring those people into the convention centre to build the stands. Oh, and what's, what's the, what's the hang-up? Well, you're, if, you're a, if you're not a Hong Kong worker, you can't work in Hong Kong. Uh, and these people are not given visas to come and work in Hong Kong. Um, but they, I mean, they could very easily come over the border for a day, uh, help to build an exhibition stand. They work for a Hong Kong registered company anyway, and then they could go back once the exhibition is built. So, you know, if there was a scheme whereby we could have a kind of a, uh, you know, a 48-hour workers' pass um, for, for the exhibition industry, um, then, then it would be very useful, and I think most of the industry would support it. The problem is going to come, and we saw there was a big debate in LegCo about this earlier this year, is that there are unions uh, who are trying to protect Hong Kong workers, Hong Kong manpower, and they, they would be very much against this. Uh, and I understand why, but at the same time, there's not enough people. So, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the uh, free movement of the, the, the big four uh, people, capital, uh, goods and services. Um, do we not already have a program like that for truckers? Uh, there's certain programs for, for certain specific industries, um, but it, it's quite restrictive in, in what those industries are. And it certainly doesn't cover exhibitions and mega events. You, mm. can, you can if you're uh, so, so the, the, rule, the law was changed a few years ago. So that if you're a high profile speaker or performer, then you can come to Hong Kong, speak at a conference and, and, and do that within the bounds of the law. Uh, but certainly not, not if you're a, you know, a worker or not if you're um, somebody that's helping to build exhibitions and put them together. So um, I actually think as Hong Kong is still recovering from the economic like turn, turn down, like turnover from COVID and different events. So how long do you think Hong Kong will get the fully recovered economic rise? You're talking about the general economy or, or, yeah. or our sector? The gen well, the general economy is, 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 is kind of difficult because, uh, as uh, Ho Lok Sang was talking about a minute ago, you know, the, one of the big revenue streams is stamp duty, uh, which, you know, people aren't buying houses at the moment, uh, so therefore they're not getting that. Uh, another massive one is the land premium that, that the government gets. Now, again, you know, we've seen lots of auctions, land auctions this year that, that have just, you know, gone without a buyer. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that leaves a, a big hole in, in the government coffers. And then the other two are a part of the operating revenues, you know, profits tax and salaries tax. And my understanding, looking at the numbers, is actually they're quite healthy. If you, if you, if you take out the stamp duty part and the land premium part, the economy isn't performing that badly. Um, so a lot of this is to do with, you know, land. It's, it's, it's always Hong Kong's Achilles heel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we're uh, definitely caught up in land and don't know how to get ourselves out of our reliance on it for government uh, revenues, absolutely. So um, within, within the exhibition convention business, so um, how far out does your influence spread? I mean, you've got the convention center in Wan Chai, lots of people going there, you know, presumably staying at hotels uh, on Hong Kong Island. But I mean, how far does it 
ripple out into the rest of the economy up into, you know, Kowloon side, new territories? I mean, how, how much impact do you have on the rest of the economy? It's, 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 it's more significant, I think, than people think. I mean, uh, the sector overall employs about 80,000 people. Again, these are pre-pandemic numbers. So I, I don't mm -hmm. know what it is now. But about 80,000 full-time equivalent jobs. Uh, it's worth about 2% of Hong Kong's GDP. Um, and, and, and yes, it spreads quite far. Traditionally, um, if you speak to the kind of the restaurateurs and the bars in the Wan Chai area, when mm -hmm. there's a big fair on, you know, when the jewellery show is in town and you've kind of got all the big bars, then it makes a huge difference to all those restaurants and bars in that area. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting. We're starting to see, because uh, the, uh, the new MTR line, which has connected uh, um, the convention centre with uh, the station in Hong Kong, all of those uh, hotels and restaurants in East Chim Sa Choi are now only five minutes away on the MTR. So actually, you know, all of those hotels, you know, all of those restaurants, all of that side is actually benefiting a lot more uh, than it previously was before that opened. That's a good point. We'll come back to that. I rode that train this morning. I do it every time I come to RTHK. Uh, we're going to come back after a quick break for the news. We're going to have a quick hit for you on the weather. Sunny intervals, max temperature around 27 degrees a day. One or two light rain patches, not going to ruin your day. Uh, cold, uh, the weekend, wind strengthening from the north. Temperatures falling tomorrow. Cold on Sunday, temperatures around 12 degrees. So get ready for that, people. Uh, right now in Hong Kong, it's 24 degrees Celsius, and we have 83% humidity here it, at Backchat. And now the news with Azam Khan. An astronomy enthusiast says one of the most spectacular astronomical phenomenon of the year was disappointing from Hong Kong. Hui Pang, president of Astrolink, was commenting on the Gemini meteor shower from last night to today at dawn. It was estimated to peak at 3 a.m., but Mr. Pang says the weather conditions made it impossible to see. The European Union has decided to open accession talks with Ukraine and Moldova and given candidate status to Georgia. The decision came at an EU summit in Brussels, despite Hungary threatening earlier to veto the process. And the United States House of Representatives has passed a defense policy bill worth $886 billion U.S. billion. It includes $300 million from Ukraine, over the next two years, an amount dwarfed by the $61 billion President Biden had asked Congress for. I'll have more news at the top of the hour. The municipal solid waste charging starts on April 1st, 2024. You must use designated bags for waste disposal at waste collection points of buildings or of the Food and Environmental Hygiene Department. Affix designated labels to oversized waste. Designated bags will be sold in nine sizes at 11 cents per liter, while the labels are $11 each. Read the property management notice for any other arrangements. Use designated bags for waste disposal. Do it the right way. Want to keep improving your health? Let's walk more every day. For adults, taking 10,000 steps a day can help prevent chronic diseases such as hypertension and diabetes. You can gradually increase the number of steps towards 10,000 based on your own ability. Even if you have not yet reached the goal of 10,000 steps a day, any amount of walking is better than none. Want to improve your health? Get started now. Visit chp.gov.hk for more details. And we're back on Backchat. I'm Andrew Work here with Kara Ha, and we have Stuart Bailey, the chairman of the Hong Kong Exhibition and Convention Industry Association, uh, still with us. And joining us now is Rita Lee, an associate professor at the Department of Economics and Finance at Hong Kong Shuyan University. Good morning, Professor Lee. 
Good morning. Good morning. Karha has a question for you. Yes. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, based on what uh, Stuart uh, mentioned to us before our news break, actually we were talking about the GDP in Hong Kong. So um, actually, recently, like from Hong Kong General Chamber of Commerce, like they have the survey telling us the Hong Kong economic forecast. So they mentioned about the real GDP growth will going down uh, next year from 2000, from 3.3% to 2.9% next year. So do you think the Hong Kong economy will actually getting harder or tougher, tougher like next year? Um, actually, I think uh, it is more or less similar, but uh, there are actually a lot of the uh, forecasting saying that the global economy is just, like uh, getting harder. Uh, so say, for instance, uh, when we talk about uh, the United States, for example, the U.S. conference brought that they forecast the U.S. real GDP growth by 2.4, uh, will, will be like 2.4%. Which is uh, slowed down uh, to like 0.9% to 0.24, and then for the IMF that they have got the baseline of the growth, uh, global growth, to slow down from 3.5% in uh, uh, from um, three uh, from three percent in 2023 to 2.9% in 2024. So meaning that actually the global economic uh, environment is will it will be getting worse. And then likewise, so what we have seen is that uh, if we try to look at the recent survey on those, like, for example, economists, uh, they will expect that the expectation for, uh, for like, uh, uh, GDP growth, that it will be, like, uh, uh, for example, CPA Australia, for example, what they said is that 49% uh, of the surveyed Hong Kong-based uh, accounting and also finance professional, they expect the city's economy will be, like, um, for the next year, will be like less than three uh, percent. For for which we have got like thirty three percent of them that they expect is like less than three percent. So all these add together, it seems that no matter it's the global economic uh, outlook and also the Hong Kong's economy, um, it is not really good from the sense uh, of like the overall sentiments. And so as like the geopolitical risk, and so as like uh, adding together other other uh, other uh, uh, economies uh, in uh, different uh, different parts of the world, because like Hong Kong is not standing alone in the island. So we have got a lot of trade, we have got tourists. So if overseas, for example, they do not have money, then of course they will spend less. Uh, in the uh, in buying and purchasing uh, for the Hong Kong goods and services. So um, I think it is uh, not that good, but at the same time, uh, doesn't mean that it is really a hard time. Then I think, well, um, probably that uh, Hong Kong, if you uh, if you go outside to see, then you will see that there are more exhibitions, there are actually more conferences that bring back some of the uh, tourists which we have not seen before. So what I've seen is, like for example, for the case of academic, for example, we have got more academics that is moving around. Uh, for example, recent two days, <laughs> by the time uh, RTHK invited me yesterday, actually I was also in a conference. So it means that this sort of activities that we have got more than before, because this kind of invitation it is uh, really rare in case of like COVID. And now this kind of like 
conferences, academic conferences, for example, and so as the overseas exhibitions, they are coming. They are coming back, and then we have seen some more than before. So adding it all together, I think um, the uh, overall picture will be like more than 2.9 percent. But at the same time, it is very hard to have got more than like 3.3 percent. Uh, will be re- really hard because if we try to look at the overall uh, global economy scenario. Rita Lee, you're talking about exhibitions. We've got Mr. Exhibition uh, on the line here with you today, Stuart <laughs> Bailey. Um, uh, you know, Rita's talking about a lot of the big headline numbers in terms of economic growth. How much does that impact on the number of people that are going to be coming to Hong Kong for exhibitions? I, I mean, like, do you say, okay, Europe, uh, you know, projected to have mediocre growth this year. Does that impact on how many people actually come from Europe, or is, is is the number of visitors related to mice business driven by completely different factors? Like, if things are bad in Europe, do more companies say, oh, geez, we better get over there and find some new markets in Asia? I mean, it might be the opposite. I mean, what, do, do, they, do they have any impact? Or do Look, I would, I, on the whole, I would say that, you know, global trade uh, massively affects what happens with, glo- with, with, with trade exhibitions. So, so, you know, the two are, are intrinsically linked. Um, if, if, if the economy is doing well, if the global economy is performing, uh, particularly if the U.S. So, you know, let's, let's take the U.S. economy. If the U.S. economy is really booming and people are buying, you know, garments and products and electronics and all those other things, um, then there's demand. And, and those American retailers and wholesalers, they've got to come here. They've got to come to the trade shows. They've got to buy products because they know that demand is high and they've got to keep the wheels of trade kind of going. If, if demand slackens off, then, 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 of course, exhibition slackens off. They don't send as many people and they don't buy as much stuff. So, you know, the, the, the two are, of course, linked. But, I mean, look, I, I think um, it's interesting. The, the, the World Bank uh, has come out yesterday and said that uh, China's GDP growth uh, is going to be 5.2% uh, for 2023. Uh, it said that it's going to reduce to 4.5% for next year. Um, that, that probably has more effect than anything. But I think we look at the global growth backdrop of, of 2.4%, and you sort of think, well, there are worse places to be uh, than in Hong Kong and China, where we're talking about between 45 and 5% or 3.5%. Or, or um, um, you know, it's certainly better than, than what's happening uh, in the rest of the world. So, you know, look, the, we are part of a global economy, uh, and exhibitions, trade exhibitions are in, you know, of course they are linked to it. Um, but still, you know, look, at the moment, we, we're still coming out of that pandemic um, bubble uh, where people didn't travel for a long time. Uh, they haven't met with suppliers. They haven't met with, uh, you know, some of the, the, the producers. So they, you know, they want to come out and they want to see what is new. So it's interesting. Exhibitions that are, are dealing with new things. Uh, I mean, the, 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 so AI and education is massive and it's completely changing the way that schools operate and how they assess what, what teachers and, and, and students are learning. Um, so we've seen a 31% increase in the scale of the Learning and Teaching Expo this year um, because there's new stuff. So, so you can buck mm. the, the, the kind of the trade trend a little bit when there's kind of new disruptive elements happening. Hmm. Um, how much of that, uh, Rita, you know, to come back to you, uh, with, you know, this, these kind of broad uh, trade flows... Uh, we, does Asia have a competitive advantage that Hong Kong can capitalize on? Are we better poised than, say, the Europeans or the Americans? I mean, everybody's talking about the U.S. finally may have its long-predicted uh, soft-landing recession this year. 
but I mean, does that is there is there a comparative advantage to being in Asia, or are we at a disadvantage given where the global economy is going in 2024? Um, well, actually, in Asia, I think uh, because like the global economies are linked together. So, like for example, Vietnam, they, they have got originally they have got a very quick engine, but then it has slowed down because they they. Um, uh, the expansion, uh, the trade that it happens between like Vietnam and also uh, U- Europe and also USI, it is not as high as what we expected. And then so that uh, Asia in itself cannot stand alone from like the rest of the world as well. Um, however, uh, what we have seen is that in case of Hong Kong, if you go to the shopping mall, you may realize that, uh, number one, there are more and more... Uh, like for example, Sweden Sweden shops that is opening in Hong Kong, and then uh, there are also more Japanese shops is like opening in in Hong Kong as well. So uh, it seems that uh, uh, to certain extent, some of the shops that they originally open like elsewhere, like for example uh, in in Thailand, for example, they are also moving to Hong Kong as well. So what we have seen is that. Um, uh, what, what we have seen is that uh, Hong Kong it has got a very good position in the sense that if some of the companies they are not sure about like uh, mainland China's present position, then they will firstly open the stop shop in Hong Kong. Or if they think that well, I am not sure about China's economy, then they will also uh, open their shop in Hong Kong. So this is what we have seen recently. And then uh, there are also a lot of the shops from mainland China, for example, Li Ling, uh, that uh, it has just bought the whole building in North Point. And then uh, if you go to see the, if you go to uh, the shopping mall, you may also find that uh, the Spotsu company is expanding. And then uh, one of them is actually Li Ling. Uh, previously, I have not seen I have not seen that in 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 the mall, but now I have seen that. So, uh, so therefore, uh, in case of Hong Kong, we are actually standing in a good place where uh, we still act as the middleman between China, mainland China, and also the uh, other parts of the world. And then, uh, if they want to like move to China, uh, some of them still will take a stop at Hong Kong first before they expand in mainland China. So this is what we have seen. And then it is like, uh, it is growing in recent, uh, recently because actually probably the rent is, has uh, dropped a lot already. And then uh, some of the shops like Furniture Shop, uh, one of the largest chain stores from Sweden, you can see it is expanding. And then if you see like Japanese uh, supermarket, for example, one of them is also expanding in Hong Kong. Previously they have already like moved to like mainland China, moved to other parts, but they do not like open a shop in Hong Kong. But if you go to the shopping mall recently, you may find that well, they come back. And then, uh, and then uh, some, uh, and then another Thai chain store. They also like uh, uh, buy the uh, original supermarket in Hong Kong, and then they uh, expand their uh, arms to Hong Kong as well. Mm. So I think um, the, the the kind of like uh, uh, what we perceive ourselves as a middleman between mainland China and also uh, the parts of the world that it still exists. Man, you know what we need in Hong Kong? Tim Hortons. We do not. We are at a disadvantage to the rest of Asia. They have Tim Hortons in Thailand. They have it in Singapore. Uh, they have it in all over China now. They're going for three. We don't have them in Hong Kong. Yes. Maybe that's what will put us over the top. Um, they're, they're, yeah, they're, it is interesting that we are seeing these, these brand names that were previously unknown mm-hmm. to Hong Kong. Um, Stuart, I mean, 
you know, when people come here and they're they're coming to the exhibitions and thinking maybe I should establish myself here, are they are they taking note of of slightly depressed real estate prices? Are they thinking, oh, I've been coming here for the exhibitions for twenty years, maybe it's time to open up shop? Have you heard that kind of buzz on the trade floor? Yeah, look, there's definitely a bit of that, and uh, I've got a meeting later this morning with Invest Hong Kong, who are a big part of trying to make sure that that happens. Mm. Um, people come to Hong Kong and they they do see the opportunity. Um, but often, um, certainly in the retail space, the rental is, 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 is very difficult to make it work. Um, so we've seen a lot of people opening up uh, what they call a flagship store, mm-hmm. um, just to kind of have a presence to show, you know, look, we're here, we're a global brand, Hong Kong is a global city and we're here. They, and they don't necessarily expect to make money uh, because, of the, uh, you know, because of the high rents. But that's starting to change as the rents come down. Um, you know, as Rita was saying, there's a, there's a solid business case um, for actually, uh, you know, opening things here. I'm not sure if we need another fast food restaurant, even if it is your favorite, though. Tim Hortons, <laughs> come on, people. And all the non-Canadians are like, oh, God, why is that guy talking about it? But, you know, I think we need it. We yeah. definitely need it. Uh, Rita, I'm going to give you the last word. Uh, on the first part of the show before you joined, we lined up a number of uh, easy slam dunks. For the Hong Kong government uh, to, to kind of boost our economy, getting rid of the spicy taxes on real estate, uh, going back to Shenzhen and saying, whoops, sorry, we actually do want your people to come more than once a month. Can you take that rule away? Uh, and a couple of others. If you had uh, one thing that you think the Hong Kong government could do to boost the economy, what would be number one on your list? Um, if we talk about like how we can boost the Hong Kong's economy, uh uh, if we talk about it, what, what actually is number one? Well, it's very hard to say what is its number one because, like, uh, if we try to make a business decision, we have got like uh, we have got like a composition of factors, right? So, uh, uh, like, for example, the clear. Uh, well, for example, when we talk about like number one, of course, it's whether or not that we can make money, right? Sure. It's a business environment, whether or not we can make money. So, if you cannot make money, you do not need to tell me like what sort of policy is that, what sort of things is that. Well, all all are gone, right? Come on, Rita. <laughs> I'm putting you. I'm putting you on the spot. Give me one. Give me one. Yo, know, well, um, I think it's just a, a clear government policy in the, with regard to like the future direction of uh, what exactly that uh, that uh, about like uh, for example, uh, taxation will that be increased, and then uh, whether or not that uh, there are some kind of the changes in the uh, regulations uh, because the regulation it affects a lot of things uh, in terms it. of like. Uh, investment, right? Of course. And then, um, and and then, uh, well, uh, there there is a lot of like a lot of like uh, whether or not that it is um, uh, profitable, and then what sort of things that the government have done to like boost the um, the confidence in the economy? Because a lot of circumstances, why the people do not buy things is not because they have no money, but it's because of whether or not that they think that for some of the job is secure. Whether or not they think that they uh, they have got uh, uh, they have got more uh, they have they have got confidence in in purchasing when they have got uh, 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 we have got a stable job then of course they will buy home they will buy yeah, <laughs> they will sure. buy something that is like luxury but as otherwise then they will not buy it sure. so uh, it seems that it's like uh, at least that the uh, uh, stable job environment is important 
and then so that at least that the HKSAL government in itself, because they have got a very large team, so it means that the stable job in the in the government sector is also really important. Yeah, but but we got we got we got to pay for that with our taxes. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then so as like if you ask me, for example, why people would like to stay in Hong Kong to work instead of like overseas. So in case if you work overseas, for example, the United States, they may charge you like. Um, 40% of the tax at, uh, and then some other thing else. So it means that your salary will, will be, you, you have to cut back that, that kind of the amount. And so as like, because uh, like superannuation in, in Australia, for example, uh, that's all things that uh, it just tell us that the simple tax is very important. And then uh, the tax base. <laughs> Rita, Rita, I, I got to let you go because I asked for one thing and you're giving me a, a, a broad policy outlook. <laughs> you're refusing to be pinned down, which is very uh, professor of economic style, which I do appreciate. That's why we ask you on the show. Great job today. That's Rita Lee, Associate Professor, Department of Economics and Finance, Hong Kong Shuya University. Thanks for coming on as well. Stuart Bailey. Chairman of the Hong Kong Exhibition and Convention Industry Association. Great guests. I'm sure we'll have him back. Absolutely fantastic. Operation Santa Claus 2023 is on. The annual charity fundraising drive jointly organized by Radio Television Hong Kong and the South China Morning Post is, for the 36th time, helping those in Hong Kong who need it the most. Operation Santa Claus has raised more than 369 million Hong Kong dollars for over 338 wonderful charity projects over the years. If you would like to help by donating any amount at all or by arranging your own fundraising event, just go to our website for all the details. OSCHK.org. All right, a little uh, Christmassy appeal here on Backchat to get involved with Operation Santa Claus, a uh, big contributor to Hong Kong every year, so do what you can. Uh, we're switching gears a little bit to welcome Colin Cohen, the co-founder and senior partner of Bose Cohen & Collins, on the line today to talk about the government's new plans to put some of our court cases uh, online, I guess, streaming streaming or yeah, recorded, streaming. so you can watch them. Yeah, you can, both. you can do it both, I think. Both, fantastic. Colin Cohen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So tell us, what, what exactly is the government proposing here to do with the uh, court cases? Um, what, what I believe they're doing is trying to follow what is in the international arena. And what they want to do is absolutely is broadcast and stream the videos of the actual court proceedings. Now, as you know, everyone can go into a courtroom. Open justice is a fundamental and characteristic of our legal system. Um, you sit in the back of the courts and you listen to the hearings. Um, lots of people like to do it, some don't. So what the government are doing is trying to follow what's happened in other jurisdictions, whereby you can watch from your computer, your laptop, television, and see exactly what is going on in the courts. This is the next dimension to ensure that open justice really means open justice to everybody. Sometimes the courts get very full up. You've got to queue up and wait to get in. But... These are going to be limited to very, very few proceedings in any event. And in particular, it will start, I have no doubt, with the Court of Final Appeal. The one uh, that make me re reminds me is the Johnny Depp and Amber, that case, because this is like on, online everywhere and live stream. Everyone can watch it and then comment on YouTube and something. So 
there is a possibility for the netizen or anyone to misuse the um, the video clips to do some like entertaining or memes or like some bad words. So do you think after like having this new um, uh, policy announced, then the video clip will get misused and it will affect the jury's decision? No, no, because it's not. It's going to be very limited. It is not mm. going to. The Johnny Depp scenario will never ever happen. Here. It never happened in the UK. It never happens in any of the common law jurisdictions. It's rather like the O.J. Simpson trial. That's not going to happen. What, what is going to happen is I suspect it will be initially starting off in court of final appeal, which is very frankly quite boring, the arguments. Mm. And in particular, they may deliver their judgments. Now, for example, there's a lot of live streaming when the Supreme Court very recently delivered their judgment on the Rwanda case in UK and well as on Sky and Sky News. You use it and the other instances where it's used a lot is in sentencing, whereby in UK you have a sentencing for these are for um, murder cases as to why they're recommending a certain term or a whole life term. It's gonna be very, very limited. It's not going well no never never in my lifetime here will we ever have in Hong Kong, a, a Johnny Depp scenario where you have a very high-profile case. It will not belong happen in criminal proceedings. It will not happen in any jury trials. It will not happen in even where you have witnesses, because mm. lots of witnesses have some witnesses are protected, etc. Yeah. It's going to be very, very limited, frankly. Why limited? I mean, why, why not have criminal trials broadcast? Because uh, yeah, well, for, for many, many reasons. Um, first of all, you always have a bit of a delay. It's never been done before. I mean, you have the American situation, which is slightly different, whereby judges like to perform, barristers like to perform. For the common law system here, I don't see it happening. Maybe it should, but, you know, the way in which, you know, the jury, it certainly will not happen before jury trials in Hong Kong. There was a paper written by Jonathan Kaplan in the UK pre-setting all this up, and it was agreed it was only going to be limited to court of appeal sentencing cases, Supreme Court, House of Lords, and you have to change the legislation. I mean, you do have lots of times in courts whereby, you know, whereby there's, especially in criminal cases, where certain parts of it cannot be reported, or, and then the jury are said, please ignore that particular matter. So it will be next to very, very difficult. This won't happen in criminal cases. Maybe it should, if that's a matter for public debate. But I think it's sort of slowly, slowly here. I think you're going to have a quarter, certainly the quarter final appeal will be broadcasting, live streaming some of their cases, the arguments may be more likely or not with judgments. I then, see, then I do see it happening in sentencing cases where a judge gives the reasons for the sentencing cases. Um, it could happen maybe since you're not in national security cases, you don't have a jury or have three judges. So you will not have influence of a jury. Maybe a possibility there. I doubt it because from the papers I've read, it is going to be initially limited to appellate proceedings. Hmm. And why are appellate proceedings chosen first? What is it about those that makes them more suitable for because, a more transparent I mean, form of uh, law? Like I, like, like I said, no witnesses, no ability for the judges to control their own proceedings. And, and, and again, most of it will probably be the delivery of the judgments more than anything else. Although, you know, in, in the European court, you can go online and you can watch the actual hearing live um, in the European court in the Privy Council. That is the sort of uh, Supreme Court dealing with Commonwealth bills. You can just go online and watch the legal arguments. It's a lot easier to control 
the proceedings, they're always going to be a little bit, you know, held back five minutes, two minute delays, etc. when you get outbursts from the cameras. For example, I don't know whether you watched the Sky News recently, the COVID inquiry. Now, that's all gone out live, but a little bit delayed. And then people made some demonstrations in the public, in the gallery, and they were thrown out. But, you know, I agree with you. Uh, you know, like inquiries and other matters, in the world we live in today, it's open justice is so, so important. And maybe it will happen. But I think initially it will be for broadcasting limited to the court of final appeal. So I, I get that impression. That's my thinking. Mm. From, a, from a visibility of justice perspective, is there a qualitative difference between a live stream a delayed stream and broadcasting the proceedings, you know, posting it online a day or a week later? Um, yeah, well, I mean, justice is meant to be open. You're meant to see what happens in court. Mm. I mean, anyone can walk in to court, sit in the back, and you see everything, even the jury trial. So the, the, this, the, the argument will be, well, why can't everyone, the whole world, see that? Well, there are arguments as to why not regarding um, it will become a, like in the Johnny Depp, it, it became a sort of, you know, national showtime, you know, sort of drama. It became a sort of theater as opposed to, you know, the sobriety of the legal proceedings, etc. But I do agree with you, you know, in the end of the day, you know, if it is open justice and you can walk into the courtroom, why can't you get it? You can always get the audio. You can always apply to get the audio. So every single courtroom, every single court, from the magistrates up to the very top court, are audio recorded and there's an audio recording of everything. Oh, really? So, is that, know, I, I didn't know that. Is that available to the public? Nope. It's available to people. I, if I'm in the part, I write to the court and I ask for it if, if, I, if I have good reasons to do it. So if I, for example, am acting for somebody and I want to hear what the judge says in the case, and then the judge will give an order to let it be disclosed subject to payment. Oh, okay. So if, so if I'm just a regular citizen and I find out about, uh, let's say I'm interested in somebody that I know is in court, uh, I can apply to get access to You can to apply, the but you've got to get good reasons as to why you need it. For example, you know, I took over a case recently and I wanted to see what the, the evidence was said in court as opposed to paying for a transcript, which is a lot cheaper. But you could, but you won't get it all the time. Just, you know, out, I, know I, I suspect you won't. So but you could. It has been done. Every single case is, is it's called the DART system. Every case is recorded. Do you remember if you go to court, you hear, you hear a little bit, they tell you that, you know, turn your phones off so you don't interfere with the court transcription system. And they don't allow recording in court, correct? No, of course, you can't, your camera, you, no, of course not, not by you. It, unless you appoint an official transcript writer, which you can do. And then they sit and be, you get permission of the court and the judge and under, under strict circumstances. So why do you think uh, the Hong Kong courts are having these changes right now, just just for aligning with the world or like Everything moves on. I think you know, perhaps the Chief Justice was watching Sky News and he saw the judgments being delivered and, and you, you can watch the Supreme Court, you know, and you go to the website of the Supreme Court and you click on it and you can watch the cases. You know, I mean, the big polling or the big case in the, in the Supreme Court regarding Brexit, that was live streamed with Baroness Hell, you know, directing everything it was very interesting more interesting for us lawyers than it will be for members of the public to be very honest 90 percent of all cases are thoroughly boring for members of the public except for the very other ones that are a little bit you know juicy sensational as well us lawyers who sort of like to listen to the intricacies of the legal arena the arguments etc perhaps we you know it, it is it is different but you know i i, I want it all open for everybody why not Huh. Well, Colin Cohen, you've uh, you've enlightened us today. I've certainly I've been enlightened by having you on the show. I found out a lot I didn't know about court proceedings in Hong Kong. Thank you very much uh, to Colin Cohen, co-founder and senior partner of Bose Cohen and Collins. 
Thank you to my uh, partner in crime today, Karha. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for rocking the airwaves with me. Uh, we're going to be back on Back Chat on Monday with uh, myself. I'm going to be on with Mike Rouse. Watch out. There's going to be some uh, nitro and glycerin blowing the place up then for sure. It's going to be exciting. Thank you very much to our producer, Raphael Bled de la France, and our audio engineer, James Lung. This has been Back Chat. Have a great weekend.